Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex, and I am so sick of this pandemic. I've only seen my family twice since, let's see, March 12th, which I think is when Los Angeles shut down, which I know that doesn't necessarily sound like a bad thing, seeing your family twice. Um, But for me, uh, I'll give you some context. I see my family, at least somebody in my family, at least I would say every other day, if not, you know, three to four times a week. So from going from three to four times a week, seeing somebody in my family to now only seeing people twice during the pandemic um, has been very, very uh, tough for me. You know, I grew up When I first moved to Los Angeles, my family and I, we all shared a one-bedroom apartment. So we are so used to, and not only used to, but enjoy being together, always spending time together, always constantly knowing what's going on in each other's lives and being connected and having fun and playing games and going on adventures. All of that stopped. And not only it stopped at this time, but uh, I also, you know, I have a niece who just turned one a couple weeks ago and so not being able to see her kind of grow up or watching her grow up through you know videos and and watching her grow up on a screen um has been pretty uh hard for me not being able to hang out with my dad who's one of my closest friends not being able to see my mom and have her you know scratch my back and make jokes and and all of us having just that overall family time that i'm used to having um isn't happening as much and it's really frustrating because as I'm seeing people kind of just getting tired of quarantining or getting tired of being safe and being smart, we are constantly seeing our country continue to have rising positive cases and we're having rising deaths and we're not making real changes. And as soon as we start, you know, quote unquote, flattening the curve, everybody kind of thinks that we're done. And then we just kind of find ourselves back in this loop of, 
more rising in cases. And I even have a virtual tour that's going on right now. And one of the main highlights of that virtual tour is a section where we talk about how people's lives are being affected. And I'm, and I'm having conversations with my friends who are nurses who feel like it's a slap in the face that they're on the front lines trying to help people and they're seeing what this virus really does to, to individuals and to families. And they've, they're seeing people just because they don't want to quarantine anymore or just because they want to go out and eat at a restaurant. They're just giving up, you know, doing what it takes so that we can beat this virus together. Having friends who have had you know, are dealing with loss, having friends who are just like me, not being able to see their family, having friends who are teachers, who are having to basically change their whole style of their profession, people who are losing their jobs, so many things that are going wrong. And yet I'm still seeing people who are disrespecting other people by simply not distancing themselves, not wearing masks, not staying home, people who feel the need to go out and socialize with their friends. And that got me thinking, what do you do when coronavirus starts coming for you? What's up, y'all? It's Alex Iono. This is Let's Get Into It, where we talk about pretty much everything that goes on in life. Nothing is off limits. And today we're going to talk about being away from your family during the pandemic. Um, So to help me out with this one, I have two very, very good friends. One is my wisdom tree that I always turn to, Karen Ehrlichman. How are you, Karen? I'm doing COVID good. As you know, I like to say, I'm COVID good today. COVID good. I love that. And also uh, one of my very, 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 very dear friends. We have been friends now. We just clarified 18 years. I've known her since I was in first grade. Uh, We both Grew up in Arizona. I moved to California. She then also moved to California to follow her dreams, which is why we get along so well. She's been by my side through thick and thin. Mackenzie Mosley. Kenz, how are you, bud? I'm doing good today. It's doing good today. Day. You got yes. you got you got a big smile on your face, so I'm with it. Yes. Um, we are going to be talking basically about the personal toll and especially with the highlight on families because um, Mackenzie and Karen, uh, I know all three of us have been away from uh, our families for quite a bit. I know, Karen, you're used to seeing, you know, your brother and, and your niece and your nephews and your nieces and nephews and, and all of that family. Ken's, you know, and I, you uh, both of us have seen our family, I think, twice um, during the pandemic and, and have been dealing with our own then personal struggles outside of that. And so uh, we're going to be breaking down a couple of topics. First, uh, Mackenzie, you and I are going to be talking about losing loved ones and dealing with the family, the family toll that that takes. Uh, after that, Karen, you and I are going to be talking about what that true toll of being away from your family really is. And lastly, we're going to talk about what we can do about it, what we should do about it. And even though I'm pretty sure everybody that lives in America already knows what we're supposed to be doing, uh, how can we can actually how we can actually get that done. Um, but before we get into those topics, I have a question that I ask all of my guests, and it is what are you doing to better your life right now? We've had so many different answers, Ken's. Karen's given great answers historically and continues to give great answers. Uh, I have an answer that I'll give while you guys think about yours. Uh, and it has been I have recommitted to my fitness goals. Um, actually, speaking of the pandemic, I, you know, when the pandemic first started, I was like, yeah, we got to like, I'm going to go hard. Like, I'm going to just I'm going to eat healthy and clean and I'm going to work out. And I got really I really got to the best shape of my life. And everything opened up for like two seconds in in Los Angeles and I was hyped. 
as soon as they close down again, I reach this level of just like, what is the point? Like, why? Why? Like, there's no point in 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 not eating foods that I want to eat on an everyday basis that do genuinely make me happy. Um, because nobody's gonna see me. I'm in my house. I'm in my I'm in my room 20, 22 hours of the day. So um, I have now recommitted to those fitness goals because. Uh, I do miss the way, the, just kind of the vibe that I had before where it was waking up super early, getting some good cardio in, having a nice healthy meal. There was just a nice little structure to that. So the thing that I've done this week to better my life is I've recommitted to those goals and uh, and getting back on my little fitness train. Karen, do you have something for me? I do. I have been painting, not painting the walls of my house, but like art and the listeners can't see what I'm holding up, but this is like a little two inch by three inch piece of watercolor paper. And I have a weekly um, art date with my niece, who Alex knows, my 12 year old niece. And we are on Zoom together and we paint and she's an amazing artist. And sometimes, especially if I am like in a super funky down mood, and I'm just watching like mindless TV, I will pull out my watercolors and I'll just be painting sitting on the sofa. Nice. I love that. She has a 12 year old niece that is just insanely talented as an artist. Like Amazing. it's insane how talented she is at the age of 12. So we are rooting for you. Um, Ken's, you have anything for me? Um, so this week I've been focusing on every day doing something different. One thing that makes me happy, whether that's I have a spot here in L.A. that I go drive to and sit by myself. And I just think whether it's reading I wake up in the morning and I meditate. I organize my house. I I try to make it something different every day so that I don't become complacent and with one thing. I'm trying to find different ways to make me happy and focus on myself because I'm someone who typically focuses on other people's happiness and making right. sure they're okay versus focusing on myself. So I've really been trying to just focus on me and make sure I'm good because if I can't be happy... Other people, like, I can't make other people truly happy. Mm, so facts. I'm focusing on me. Facts. I love Preach. that. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some uh, Let's get into some conversations. Karen, we'll talk with you in a bit. Mackenzie, it's time for us to go one-on-one. Um, but before we get into that, like, I feel like you and I, we're too good of friends to not tell kind of our story about how we know each other. And I've mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit already. Um, but, Ken's, we met in elementary school. Uh, I was yes. in first grade. You were in second grade. Even though you're only four weeks older than me um you were just you were in the grade above but uh we actually became friends because i think i i feel like i mean we became friends because we we enjoyed each other's company but um your older sister uh diz or madison um is best friends like absolute best friends with my older sister sydney and so i think we became friends out of that and then we also just like enjoyed each other's company i feel like when we were in elementary school though like we would either be friends some days and then some days we would be like arch nemesis and we used to we i'm not gonna say any of them because they were so mean and i would look like such a meanie but we used to say some of the nastiest things to each other like out of like we would just be ripping each other like roasting each other before roasting was a thing Mackenzie and i would like roast each other insane amounts i remember you know exactly what i'm talking about when we were when i was in fourth grade you were in fifth grade we had this we were on this like this elementary school like school trip that you go up to these cabins and we were 
I can't even say the things that I can't even say the things that we were saying to each other. That's how mean we were as children. By the way, if you're a child, you're mean. Mean your kids are mean. And 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 I know that adults are mean too, but kids can be mean because they don't understand, they don't know the line. When you're an adult, you know the line. And if you cross the line, you're really mean. But kids don't know the line. So they there's nothing that's off limits for kids. Kids will fuck your day up. Um that being said we were those kids like we were we were so me but eventually after we kind of had a couple of years apart when you went to middle school and i was still in elementary school and i moved a little bit we came back together went to the same school uh when i was in eighth grade and you were in ninth grade and and our friendship kind of double reignited and and we've been best friends ever since did i miss anything um i think you nailed that one we grew up performing together, which is fun. Yes, we did grow up performing together. And we always both like had really good passion for like a really strong passion for art. Um, and I just think it's so cool that now you've been out here for three years, um, but you work in film and uh, you actually are so we're so connected through people that we work with. Um, you have a friend. You have a really good friendship in the assistant editor for my movie um, that's about to come out, uh, Finding Ohana. So we have a we have a lot of connections, even in our professional world now. Um, that's really, really cool. And I just love having a friend that, you know, I think out of everybody in Los Angeles, um, when it comes to moving out from, you know, from Arizona to, to Los Angeles, chasing your dreams, knowing what that means to your family back home and the expectations and all of the pressures and all of that. I don't think anybody gets it more than you do when it comes to us, like getting each other. And so it's been really, really nice having somebody that... It's just a good sounding board. Um, but enough about our friendship. I want to talk to you about what, um, before we get into the more personal stuff, uh, tell us about your living situation, what your day-to-day is like, um, what your work life is like, and, uh, and kind of all of that aspect of your, your California lifestyle. So typically, I mean, before the pandemic, like I work in film, I usually have a really busy day-to-day I usually work like 60 to 75 hours a week is what my schedule was. Mm. Um, when the pandemic hit, it just within three days quickly shifted into working from home, which was a learning curve. Cause when you're used to being in a fast paced environment, having everyone around you when you need something, and then just going to nothing like you and yourself at home, having to learn to navigate that way. It's hard, but I got used to it. Um, unfortunately now I'm not working due to Mm. the pandemic. So it's, it's allowed me to really sit with myself. And now I have a new normal of like trying to do something new every day in my living situation. Like I just had two new people move into my home, navigating that. Um, it's, it's a, it's hard, but it's, I'm doing it. It's one day at a time is what it's come down to and trying to take all the emotions and everything that come from it and put it into my passion and art within film and using these emotions to write and try to create something new with the new normal. Especially for transplants um, that, that, you know, that move to Los Angeles and when you don't have a lot of friends and a lot of family and you live you know, like you'd mentioned, you just got new roommates, but for the last like month ish, it's been kind of you living solo dolo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people don't understand, like part of the L.A. lifestyle, especially when you're not from here and you don't have family and, 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 and close people that you live with, 
is being out is going out seeing your friends hanging out you know going meeting up at parties or meeting up for for lunch or or you know doing your actual work when you're not doing those things it becomes a lot more isolating and uh and especially because i know um firsthand with you like you've been you're one of the earliest people that i knew that also was taking it super serious because your father um which we'll get into first your father contracted covid pretty early on in the mm -hmm. uh, in the pandemic um what were your thoughts when that happened because your, your your father by the way bill mosley is one of my favorite people on earth he has just like the kindest soul and and is always making you laugh there's never a dull moment with bill um and he's also been he had been dealing before covid was dealing with other health issues so can you go into a little bit more about that whole situation and how that made you feel so and if i get emotional i apologize it's okay sorry that's good you're good we're with you <laughs> um so at the beginning when i think within the week of when i transitioned into working from home is the same week I found out about my dad and I knew my dad, like me and my dad talk every day. Like if I don't hear from him or I'm not reaching out to him, like something's, I know something's off. So I had a few days where I was like, where, like I have not heard from my dad. So I reach out to my siblings. I'm like, is everything okay? Like I haven't heard from dad and they like then let me know. It had been three or four days at this point. They knew I was stressing and struggling with this whole transition of being home and just dealing with other personal things in my life. And so they then told me like, your dad's in the hospital and they didn't want to freak me out. And I understand why they were trying to keep me calm and not freak me out until they knew exactly what was going on because he had been stable and then we found out my dad had COVID and it, he was in the hospital for a while, not getting it. This is when it was first starting. The hospitals were packed, like not being able to get updates every day. You sit and you just worry and then getting an update. Like, we don't know if your dad's going to make it and constantly every day being something different, like that's hard. And then it being away from your family already, like, I'm here alone. Of course, I have my support system here, but there's nothing like your family support. So not being able to be there and just be in the comfort of my home, dealing with this with my family was so hard. And eventually, like my dad got out of the hospital and he had to recover at home alone. And then my heart just broke for him because I'm like being alone, being sick and like not having your family be able to like be with you. He was alone for two months. Like we couldn't, my family had to drop off food at the door. Like we could barely call him because he couldn't, didn't have enough air to talk. Like his energy was taken from walking to the bathroom. Like it's horrible. Mm -hmm. So to not be able to be there and at least comfort your family or feel the comfort from your family, it, it, it broke my heart. And I still get emotional about it because I'm like, because people are being selfish in the world and people aren't taking it seriously. And like, I had to see someone I love dearly like struggle. And fortunately he is recovered and he's doing a lot better, mm -hmm. but it's like, 
he didn't have to go through that for three months. Yeah. There's, and, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be said also that I want to point out just knowing you, Ken's, is that uh, you're like me, where you have your whole family is a unit and it is you're you're talking to your family every day. When when we were in Arizona, even to broaden the scope, you know, your your first cousins were all at the same school with us. Like you're that close with Caitlin, with Aunt Sharon. You have all of your aunts and your uncles. You all live so close together and seeing each other so so common. And that's something that you and I really related to when this pandemic started was feeling like we can't see the people, you know, if, if, if they told you, Hey, you have one day to gather all of the people that you want to be with. And then you have to lock down. We would have both been home and, you know, moved and had the time to prep. We didn't get that time. So by the time that it started, we didn't have the opportunity to change. And the same goes for your father where it's, it's, he didn't have the opportunity to be quarantined with you know, if he had his if he had his choice choice, knowing Bill, it would be you, Eris, and and Diz living in the house with him, so that while he's back home and recovering, uh, he has you there with him. Um, mm -hmm. The good news is, is is that you know, like you mentioned, Bill's on the up and up, and he's already getting his he's getting his little com comedic taste back and is in in full energy and everything. So, um, Bill, we love you and and uh, and we're with you. Uh, but I want to, before we get into, I'm going to give you a crying break because I, knowing you, you're going to cry again a little bit later on in this episode. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I want to clarify also one thing. Um, you're, just, just to make sure, Bill got, he got COVID in April, right? It was April? March. In March. Oh, March. So it was, uh -huh. it really was like, we're talking about, he was the first person that was close to me that I heard um, had COVID as well. And so uh, for, you know, for that being kind of, and out the gates, this is, you know, you had a firsthand experience of what this, this virus does. Uh, it's pretty scary. And it definitely like, yeah, it pisses, it pisses me off too, knowing things that like, look, I know that I, I know, you know, I am of, I, I, I'm of pretty good health. Like I think I'm, I'm of top tier health when it comes to if there, if health was a tax bracket, I would be at the highest tier. Like if they, if they broke it up, like I, I feel like if I got the virus, I would be absolutely fine. But my dad has pre-existing conditions. My dad had quadruple bi bypass and has an enlarged heart right now. And my grandparents have are, are obviously, you know, their immune systems aren't the same as mine. Their their respiratory systems are not the same as mine. Even uh, Mickey and Sandy, who I live with here at the house, don't have the same respiratory system and the health systems that I have. Um, so because of that, I want to stay inside. And it's really sad that a lot of people don't recognize that same exact thing that that yes if you get it you'll be okay but it's not the same for everybody Let, let's let's go back in time to right after your dad you know he's in the clear you you have you get to exhale where were your thoughts and and where are your thoughts compared to that um about the coronavirus in terms of your anxiety to go outside or to go and and contract the virus because you're, you know, for fear of, of getting it. Because the other thing is, is it's not only about now that you've seen your father who had to go to the hospital, had to recover, and it's been months and months of recovery, you don't know if that would be the same situation for you. So it's also mm -hmm. the fear that you, because there are people that are in their young 20s that are getting it and are experiencing that same traumatic, if not even more traumatic experiences having that firsthand experience super early on in the pandemic, did that shape a little bit of your kind of your thoughts and feelings about the pandemic? Um, it definitely like put things into perspective. Cause when this all first started, 
you like hear about it. It's all over the news. Social media is blasted with it. And you don't think that someone close to you, that close to you, you, you don't think they're going to get it. And then they do. So mm. it like when my dad started getting better, like I was still paranoid. I was so paranoid because I'm like, I like you and I tried to go to the grocery store. I had so much anxiety. Like I, I just felt gross. Like I didn't want to touch anything. I was like, how did my dad get this? Cause we don't know how he got it. Like he doesn't do that much like work, church, home. So I'm like, he got this, either picked it up from the store, church or work. Right. So anytime I had to leave my house or go get gas, like I was so paranoid and I tried to like, not, I tried to allow myself not to feel that much anxiety and stress about it. If I was doing my part, I was like, if you're doing your part and you're staying home and being clean and talking to my friends about it and having them do the same out here and making sure my family is doing their part that helped, that helped me a lot. And I think constantly just talking about it and sharing my dad's story with other people to show them like, Hey, like now, you know, someone close to you whose parent has it. Like I just Mm -hmm. tried to use my experience to teach people and help them to help myself because if not, I was going crazy. And I feel like, I feel like once you have that firsthand experience, not only do you want to tell everybody else to be kind of better about it, but you also clean up everything, all of the little things that you were doing. You know, I know that you had, you had your friend's roommate who had, who had contracted COVID. It kind of changes the way that you act as a person knowing, Hey, this happened to my father or this happened to my friend or my close friend. I need to be better about it. Since that moment, you and I have had, you know, the only times that I saw you during the pandemic so far were from, you know, you would pull up to my house and sit outside in your car and roll down your window. And I'd sit on my, like I'd sit on the the trunk of my car and we would just have conversations for, you know, for an hour or you'd come by and just stop by and drop off a treat or, you know, we would, we would FaceTime and all of those things. We were doing a really good job and still are doing a really good job. And I, and I take pride in the fact that through the pandemic, I have been very responsible. And anytime I wasn't responsible, I go and get tested or I quarantine myself away from people that I think could get it. And then it doesn't really change for us. You know, we do everything we can, but still at the same time, we still are experiencing more friends and family contracting coronavirus. We're still experiencing losses. We're still experiencing all of these things, which leads me to the last thing I want to talk with you about, um, which is Grandma Rose. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and that to me is it's really frustrating as your, you know, as your best friend, seeing that even when we are doing everything we can it doesn't change outcomes for our people. And, uh, and, and I want to talk a little bit about, about that because it, it does bring up a lot of emotions um, for me just as your friend. So I can't imagine the emotions that, that go through your head as somebody who is doing everything right and trying to get your family to do everything right. And for the most part, they probably are outside of going to work. You know, I know Kathy mm-hmm. and Diz and, and Caitlin and Sharon, they're not, they're not being reckless and going out and, and hanging out with friends and going to bars. But things still happen and, and, and the virus still continues to spread and, and it affects people. So um, I'll tell the news if, if that's okay with you. Uh, your, your grandma passed away about a month ago now from coronavirus. 
uh, and complications that uh, came along with that. I've met Grandma Rose a few times and she's just, you know, from doing jello shots at 90 years old to like just having the sweetest heart and always laughing and smiling. Like she lived every day of her life. Like I think that's the one guarantee. From your view, tell me a little bit about your grandma. Grandma Rose, literally, she's like, she's like the light of our family. My grandpa passed away like 45 years ago. She raised eight kids by herself, brought them all to Arizona. My family's huge. There's 55 plus grandkids and great grandkids. Like our family's very close and it was set, we centered around her. She literally was the light. And with her being gone, it's like, you want to try to focus on who she was. And I think that's what's helped the situation. And she was 96 years old. She lived an amazing life. Like she's one of the strongest people I know. I mean, to raise eight children by yourself um, and everyone came out okay. Uh, I, it just says who she is as a person. She loved fully with her whole heart. She never remarried because she held on to the love from her husband that passed away. And she just like, she's one of the biggest motivators, I think, to every single person in our family, because you can't think of her or look at her, or think of a story where you're like, grandma, like she truly put her heart into helping us become who we are. And, but I have comfort in knowing she lived her life and lived it fully and lived it happily. Um, like, and she was strong. She had her own health issues. She had five back surgeries after 80, like. This girl was kicking, but I, knowing how strong she was and the love she had is what helps, is what helps me with all of it. And I'm, and I'm so happy that you found that, like that happiness, you know, now being, Mm -hmm. being here and having dealt with it and really digested everything. Um, But I also know, you know, from the jump when you and I were talking the day that you found out that she even had coronavirus before she had even passed. You know, for, I remember my sister, Sydney, was freaking out about the coronavirus in, in January. Like she was buying, you know, hand sanitizer wipes and all of that in, in January. And I was like, you're kind of crazy. But you other than my sister, like you were one of the first people that I was like, yeah, you're taking it seriously. I'm going to take it seriously, too. And so we, it can't feel good. And I know it doesn't feel good being the people who are doing everything right during the pandemic and still having to deal with with your people who are also doing as best as they can to to distance and to wear masks and sanitize and clean uh who are who are suffering from this so tell me about your emotions like you know when you found out and 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 when things kind of were getting a little bit more serious with my grandma it all it's it's crazy how fast things happen with this virus you know i we knew like my grandma was sick like she wasn't doing her best but like she's so strong and in my head I'm like you almost start to believe that they're constantly just gonna bulldoze through it and be fine so my grandma I heard like okay she's she's sick but then we got a call like grandma tested positive for COVID and we don't know if she's gonna make it through the night and I literally like sorry here we go again (laughs) that like broke me because it automatically went in my mind. I was like, how did she get this? My grandma's 96, she's not out. She's not out. Roaming the streets, going out with friends, not even going to the store. Like someone brought this into her. 
And it broke my heart because it was like, she does not deserve this. Not that anyone deserves it, but I'm like, how, how? And so I, that first day, like I was completely broken, emotional. I couldn't think like it was hard for all of our family. Cause we're like completely on edge. Cause we're like, we don't know if she's going to make it. And within like, um, within three days she was gone. And I think the second and third day I started to accept, okay, like, I don't want to think negatively, but they're telling us like she, her body's just not strong enough to fight it. And so I accepted that. And from then I had to just like, try to focus on her light that I spoke about previously, like try to focus on everything positive she's done, everything positive she's brought into your life, the strong life she lived and everything she's fought through. I'm like, girl's tired. Like, you know, maybe it's unfortunate that this is what took her, but she lived a good life. And I'm like, she's, I believe she's with my grandpa again. And I try to focus on those happy things because if not, the emotions will just wreck you. Like, I was destroyed seeing my mom and my siblings and my aunts and uncles and everyone feeling this emotion. I was like, this is, you got to be able to feel them. So you don't suppress them. I gave myself my days to feel them. And then I was like, okay, you felt them. Now you got to just try to focus on the positive of it all. And it just wants help makes me want to like tell these stories. And I wish not everyone in the world was selfish. There are a lot of people being so selfish in the world. And it, it makes me so mad because I'm like, first didn't know if my dad was going to make it. And now I lost someone to it. And that like, there's not like, it's not fair. She didn't have to go this way because of other people. And that's just the hardest part to grasp onto and trying not to be angry. It's, it's hard, but it's still emotional. Um, and even it comes to like, we can't even set a proper funeral and these things because different states have different restrictions. Like we have a huge family that's very close, like trying to find a safe time for everyone to gather. Like it's been impossible to figure out and trying to get her back to Illinois. Like it's so difficult not being able to even celebrate her life right now. And the amazing person that she was because the way the world is and it's horrible. No one should have to go through it, but it's our reality. And then, and you just got to find ways to be positive through it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. And, and I understand every, you know, frustration and stress and anger that you have. And the, the fact that you're as balanced as you are now, you know, I, I, it's one of the many reasons why I look up to you and I love you and I and I see you as an inspiration to me is that you've always been able to find the positivity out of things. You've always been able to find the light in situations from losing family members to just having a shitty day. And so uh, it's something that I, I, I look up to you and, and, and I admire so much about you. Um, like you mentioned and, and like I mentioned, Grandma Rose, like to me it was just, there was nothing that she was going to allow herself to not do if she wanted it you know she lived at a at 100 miles per hour all the time no limits if you like literally you were posting stories um 
I think a few days after she passed and it was like literally doing jello shots with your your 90 year old grandma at a part like it was that's like to me I know I said that twice and that's probably not the best like character <laughs> reveal of of who she is because she's also like there's so many other things that probably show her spirit even more but to me that is just proof that she didn't let anything stop her and there was no reason for her to not do something if she wanted it that's something that I take away a lot from from Grandma Rose as I as I think about you know as I think about her and her life. What's something that you'll always remember uh, about your grandma? I'll always remember her like her willingness to never ever give up mm. ever because of everything I've seen her go through. And I mean, obviously, her faith and love stick with me, but she literally never gave up. And I think it shows cause she kicked it until she was 96. Um, and that will stick with me in, in any aspect of life, career, mm. friendships, family, love. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, I know that she loves you. I know that she, she's, she's watching you right now and is so proud of you for being the, the strong-willed you know, individual that you are. I love you, and, uh, and I'm going to talk with you in just a little bit. But first, I'm going to uh, take a quick break, and then we'll be talking with Karen about uh, more of that true toll of family separation. We'll be back. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. This is Alex Iono, and this is Let's Get Into It. And we are talking about uh, the pandemic and the toll that it takes uh, on individuals and on families. I just finished a nice conversation um, with one of my best friends, Mackenzie Mosley, who dealt with loss, dealt with her father contracting the virus, um, and and is dealing with not being with her family, um, which is something that I relate to directly. And now I have another one of my very, very good friends, Karen Ehrlichman, um, who is a therapist and can give us a little bit more insight on what that true toll of the family separation is. Karen, how are you? I am doing good today, Alex. Thank COVID you. Good. COVID, COVID good. COVID good. Uh, as of two days ago, Karen, August 12th, the U.S. reported the highest coronavirus death rate since May. 1,500 Americans lost their lives due to coronavirus. So while some parts of the country are kind of relaxing their restrictions we are so so not out of the woods like we it is insane how not out of the woods we are and how how much you would think we are based off of how people are acting right now um you just heard the conversation i had with mackenzie and i've heard i've i mean i've talked to mackenzie so many times and and she's cried to me so many times and i still feel so deeply every time she tells me every time we talk about her grandmother or every time we talk about her father it's happened and that's that's just my friend you know every person that dies all 1500 americans who died on august 12th from coronavirus had a family they had a son or a daughter or a mother or a father or a brother or a sister or family members and somebody for each of those 1500 at least one person is going to grieve that same exact way that Mackenzie has to i just i i don't know i don't i don't even know how to feel about that how do you feel about just that that that's such a sad thing to hear mm-hmm. you know especially knowing that it didn't have to get to this point it did not the thing that's sad also is that there's there is a lot of damage that's going on even outside of coronavirus itself in these times. New York Times has reported an unprecedented amount of deaths outside of coronavirus. Since March, there have been an excess of 60,000 non-COVID-related deaths above and beyond uh, what the normal average is. Uh, I want to give a loving shout-out to one of our producers. If you are regular on this show, um, you already know who Catherine is. She is the producer of Let's Get Into It. Catherine has lost, since March, six close friends and family members that are not coronavirus-related deaths. It's devastating to me. I remember when we were kind of talking about opening up the country again. This is probably April, May. And doctors were saying it might, we might lose more lives because of the effects of coronavirus than we will to the coronavirus itself. What are your thoughts on that, Karen? It's not surprising to me uh 
and I've been observing it too in terms of greater numbers of deaths from other causes, not just from coronavirus, partly because the stress of living in a day-to-day global trauma is extremely hard on our immune systems. It's very hard on our nervous systems. We are all living with this day-to-day anxiety and being under that level of stress makes it hard to fight off even a cold, right? You know, Mm. it's so stress in and of itself is very hard on our bodies. And we are all, for the most part, having a, a very difficult time metabolizing that this is actually happening. Mm. So I'm not surprised. Also, the healthcare system is completely maxed out right now. So the capacity to provide the quality and quantity of care that's needed is really limited. Also, all the same health disparities, the sociological issues in terms of barriers to care for uninsured people, for people living in poverty, for unhoused people, for people of color, all those health disparities are just magnified even worse. So people are waiting until they're really sick to go to the doctor or they're not going to the doctor, maybe because they're afraid, um, either they're afraid they're going to get it, they don't know that they have it, people are afraid to go to the doctor, or they're afraid they're going to lose their home, or they don't have the money to pay for the care that they need. So all of those things that have been there are still there. I think we simply just, we as a country, we're not ready for this. We could have been more ready for this <laughs> with without throwing all of the shade uh, ever directly at our, our government right now. We weren't ready for this mm-hmm. hospital wise, beds wise, ventilators wise. Um, well, but as as people, we weren't ready for this. What are your thoughts? There were. Without going down the political rabbit hole, there were some folks who spoke out way early on. Mm hmm. That's why I was saying we could have been. Right. So, like, you, when you have somebody, uh, an intelligent voice of wisdom who says, I'm concerned this is going to happen, and then that gets ignored for all the reasons, um, sh- you know, shame on everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Shame on them, right? Absolutely. So, it's a little bit like... Um, Knowing that drunk driving, how many millions of people are killed from drunk driving and then thinking that you can drive drunk and you're going to be fine. And it's Mm -hmm. only those other people who have to worry about this. Mm. Also, I was somebody who lived through and worked as a social worker during the early years of the AIDS epidemic. And so at that time the country and the world had no way of knowing what was going to happen with HIV. Of course, obviously, a lot has changed now, and there are people who've lived for decades being HIV positive because of advances in medical research. Right. But um, we should have learned from that, right? Like, even the thing about um, universal precautions, like having worked in a hospital with Work, I worked with pregnant women who were HIV positive. And the, there were people who worked in that hospital who still believed that um, white p- 
people didn't get HIV, that heterosexual people didn't get HIV, that only drug users got HIV, all those things. And there was a really strong health education push push for what was called universal precautions, which is you can't tell from looking at somebody whether they have a virus or not. You have to assume that everybody is possibly going to expose you. And it's Mm -hmm. the same thing now, right? Like we cannot make moral judgments. I told you I was going to get on the soapbox. I'm sorry. (laughs) But to the, I guess the short version of that message is it would be so great if we could learn from history, Mm -hmm. learn from other countries, learn from each other, take care of each other. And when we don't have that shared philosophy of we have the rhetoric that says we're all in this together, but we don't have the behavior that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. We need that behavior. We need to actually be in it together and be in it for each other, not just for ourselves. Absolutely. And I think uh, it is important to note that a great leader not only uh, hires or has people join their team so that they can turn to them for wisdom in the in the fields in which those people are experts. Uh, but a great leader also listens when those experts acknowledge that something is wrong. I'm going to leave that at that. Okay, with you. Karen, you mentioned you're a social worker. Uh, you also are a therapist and, and even just a great friend with a lot of knowledge. You're seeing this effect that's, that's every day. What are you seeing that, uh, that maybe isn't getting you know, broadcasted out on, on every news station and the media? What are you seeing as a therapist, the, the effects that it's taking on, on individuals? So a couple of things. It's such a good question. One of the things I'm seeing is people's, I mentioned earlier about this kind of day-to-day trauma, is um, that people need the tools and practices to manage the kind of uncertainty and fear that we're living in. So like the nature of my work with people has changed somewhat to incorporate more of relaxation techniques and stress reduction. And I tell people to go hug trees a lot because we have a human need. We have this thing called skin hunger, right? There are people who have not touched another human being for six months. Nobody has hugged them for six months. Nobody has held their hand for six months. Trees do not have coronavirus. Grass does not have coronavirus. Go hug a tree. And now I I sound like a crazy tree hugging Californian, but I literally have a group text thread with three of my colleagues and we take pictures of our crazy asses hugging trees and send them to each other. I was going to say, your, your San Francisco is showing as you're speaking I know, about I know, it's true. <laughs> hugging But a tree. you know what? It's like desperate times call no, it for makes desperate sense. measures. Absolutely. I mean, look, as, as somebody, I didn't see my family for the first three months of the pandemic. And then I didn't see my family again until two weeks ago. So I, I absolutely get it in the hugging you know luckily i have my girlfriend who i can who i can hug and i can hold and i've and and we've been uh quarantined for quite a bit uh together um so there's a lot of people who don't have that and and that's the thing is is there's i want to be very very clear that i do not view my situation as the worst situation i know there are so many worse situations going on even talking with Mackenzie, my one of my best friends I, I acknowledge that I am so, in your words, Karen, COVID good. I am so COVID lucky that any that none of my direct family 
has contracted the virus that none of I, I haven't had to deal with uh, family loss the way that Mackenzie has or the way that so many other Americans and so many other human beings have had to deal with, right. you know, but there is still a lot of of. Of atrophy to that's that's going on as just human beings. I think one of the biggest ones is like the fear to go outside. Right. When when Los Angeles opened up again, I was invited to so many hangouts and I thought, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And as as I was getting ready to leave to go to these barbecues or these parties, I literally like sh- I, I couldn't I could not go. I got I got so afraid that I just stayed inside. Uh, do you think a lot of people are going to experience, you know, agoraphobic um, thoughts or become a little bit more homebound uh, because of this traumatic experience? And if you think so, you're shaking your head yes. So I want to then direct the question to a new question. What are steps that that we as human beings can take to avoid this? You know, one of the things I think that's helpful is to, and it's been helpful for me personally, is to check in with myself. Like, what, what, do, what do I care about and what, what are the steps that I need to take to take care of myself? So not a, not that I don't care about other people, but like I am incredibly blessed to be able to work from home. I don't take that for granted at all. And I mostly do not go. I have hardly seen people and partly because it stresses me out. So I I need to be calm because I need to be there to support other people all day. And so to, I've been very compassionate to myself like there are other people who are going to the store more it's I can't I gotta go in five minutes I'm out like I'm not cruising the aisles I'm not like trying any new vegetables like none of that I'm in I'm out or and so when people say "I, I can't go out or I'm not ready to social distance like to not not judge themselves or each other Right. Like, so you think it's a little bit you think it's a little bit less of like try to avoid being agoraphobic and more just, hey, let's just be patient with the people who are dealing with those thoughts. Is that is that that's what you're saying? And with ourselves. Oh, right. True. Like, I didn't even think about that. So to be able to say now, I don't want to take that to the other extreme, which is like we have a friend who's going to the casino today. And when Lord. I heard that, I flipped out. I was like, why is she did you know I said and then I was like you know what this is not I can't I'm not in charge of a of her behavior it's not in the same city so that's good because otherwise I would be like you know you're over there and that's it but um with that piece about people being afraid to go outside or even like when things do improve having physical contact with other people is going to be anxiety producing and scary and hard mm-hmm. um we feed our neighbors a lot. We have, you know, about how we love to yep. feed people. So we have some, el- an elderly neighbor in particular who literally like cannot make toast for herself. And mm. so I s- do say to her, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but if you don't wear a mask, I can't bring you food. That's, I mean, I, not that that's good, but like it is, we have to find ways to inspire each other. And I think because uh, as a country, we historically are known for, this you be whoever you want to be you know the american dream you can be anything you'd like you can follow your own rules this is what america is it's kind of developed this individualistic mindset that it's well me but if i need to do what's best for me and and i think i I remember reading it uh in an article 
earlier on in the pandemic where they talk about that's why America is dealing with it in such a hard place is because all these other all these other countries, New Zealand and and Germany and all of these countries that that have had much less traumatic experiences with the virus is because their whole goal is as a country. It is you, they act in the thought of other people. Right. And I think that that's something that we're really struggling with right now. Um, I want to put a pin in that because I don't want this whole episode to be just a, just everything negative. There's a lot of positive things that are coming out of this pandemic that we need to really search for. And it takes a lot of time to search for. Um, you know, for me personally, I got to focus a lot more on my own health, on my own mental health. Uh, I, I don't really say this much um, because I think it's still something pretty sensitive to me. But I've started I for the first time my whole life. I've probably needed it for a long time. Uh, I started seeing a therapist. You know, I, I I helped build a garden in the backyard. So many things that are positive. You started your your cooking with with Jana. And I'm sure that you and Jana get to spend even more time together. That's a big thing is a lot of people are reconnecting with their their nuclear families that a lot of fathers don't have as much time to be fathers. Uh, you know, we we have a, a very mutual close friend slash family member who is getting to be more of a father right now and get getting to love that and feel that, you know, we have... We have so many positive things. Um, what are other positive things that you're feeling that people can look for? Because I know that there are a lot of people who don't feel those things, but they're there. Uh, and I think that it would be important right now to give some advice to the listener who feels like there is nothing positive coming out of this pandemic for me. Uh, what are some some other options that, that maybe they can uh, help see if those fit their lives? That's a great question. And one of the things I see that's connected to this question about what are the strengths and resources and the positivity is that coronavirus has pulled back the veil, so to speak, that there's mm. whatever has been under the surface is now at the top and exposed. And some of that is painful and terrible, and some of it is beautiful and amazing, and that there's an invitation to actually be more authentic human beings with each other. Um, to claim your joy. Like I watched Muppets Now last week on Disney Plus <laughs> and I laughed my head off for two hours and I was like, I am claiming my joy in this moment because I don't know how I'm going to feel in five minutes or five hours mm. or whatever, but preach claiming your joy um, and and thinking of things and sharing ideas with each other about what are the things that help you to have a break, to relax, to, um, okay, true story. The other day I was feeling really down with all of this. Cause remember, like, this is what I talk to people about every right. day, all yeah. day. And I was in the kitchen and I just felt really blue and literally my iPhone switched on and your song without you came on. Like, like my phone knew, like I could not make this up. I ha and I had my e earpods in because I was waiting for a phone call. And so I just started dancing around the kitchen. Love that. Oh, so my gosh. I swear Not even that's because a true of my story. song. I love that for more reasons than just because totally. you danced to my song. I think it's so that's so important and so crucial. And I, I would even go so far to say that my advice would be be selfish to a degree. But that degree is a really high degree. I would say be as selfish as you need to be as long as you are not breaking the stay at home, you know, social distancing rules. I know that so many people who are like, I, I've been texting people and I've gotten responses back that are like, hey, thanks for texting me. I'm not talking to anybody right now. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, 
One of the biggest things that I think uh, I've also been understanding recently is acknowledging that everybody is going through this right now. Everybody is going through this right now. Everybody has the same cast of characters, the same, um, uh, you know, the same scenery around them. It is just completely warped and everybody's dealing with that. Just as much as a father gets to be a father, the father is also dealing with the stresses of being a father, not just the fun right. times of playing catch and having fun and playing games. They're also dealing with tantrums. They're dealing with, you know, they're dealing with the stresses. And some of us are still working, by the way. Karen, I know you work almost every single day since the pandemic started. Yeah. I've worked almost every single day since the pandemic started. Mackenzie, when the pandemic first started, you were working uh, day in, day out, still on your 65, 70 hour weeks. Catherine, who's doing this, we've been working on this podcast this whole time. So Catherine's been working. I think it is so important for us to be as selfish as we can while following the pandemic, you know, quarantine kind of base rules. And also while acknowledging and accepting and respecting that every other human being is allowed to be that same level of selfish. I know we we so need another word in our vocabulary that means prioritizing your own needs. That doesn't yeah, selfish, have those... but a new word for selfish. Right, exactly. If anybody has ideas for other words, like let us know. Or maybe so, we should just reclaim selfishness. Like selfishness, selfishness is okay. Totally. And then we come up with a new, you know, like we say, hey, there's there's selfishness and then there's like thoughtless selfishness, right. you know what I mean? Or something like that. I don't know. But I agree with you because I think selfishness has a bad connotation to it. That isn't necessarily true. Um, I was thinking about what you were saying about family earlier. And I was thinking for those of us who are close to our families and we're geographically separated, like I, I haven't seen my family in almost a year and it is heartbreaking for me. There are also some people who do not get along with their families who are in abusive families or addicted families who are stuck in the house with those people. Mm. So it's recognizing that there are so many different kinds of human suffering going on right now and um, and that there is no um, competition for who has it worse. There are definitely people who, for economic reasons, et cetera, who have it worse for sure. Mm -hmm. But... Um, but I know there are people who are stuck at home in an abusive relationship or who are two parents who are both working and who are now having to have their kids doing school at home. Like it is hard for everybody right now. I would love to close out this this um, section of this episode with your advice for somebody who's in a situation and now because of the pandemic is locked into a situation that is not necessarily healthy for them. Do you have any advice for that? Tell somebody. Talk to somebody, tell somebody, even if you don't have any practical options right now, but somebody that you can confide in. I don't care if it's a 1-800 toll-free number or if it's a clergy person or a therapist. There's tons of free mental health services right now, so you don't have to be emotionally alone in it. Tell somebody. That is coming directly from a therapist, and, and I am going to use my name to back that up. If you are dealing with whatever you're dealing with, you know, it could be anything from mental health, it could be physical health, it could be dealing with family or friends, dealing with abusive situations uh, or, or circumstances, please go and, and, and reach out for help. Even if it's DMing me, I will be, I, I've been checking, I've been so vigilant about looking at my DMs, please do not deal with this by yourself. You don't have to and and nobody wants you to. 
we want you to get the help you need here, uh, especially at Let's Get Into It. So um, I'm going to close out this break by saying, if you need help, go and get that help. We're going to be back in just a bit, and we're going to be talking about what we can do now. And you'd be surprised by some of these answers, so don't go anywhere. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. This is Let's Get Into It. And it's been a heavy episode. Oh, my gosh. Like, I've needed to have, like, some real breathing breaks to to kind of re- gather myself together uh we had an amazing conversation with Mackenzie. you're here now um so thank you you and karen i want to thank both of you guys for your openness your vulnerability and your um your willingness to just 
to just share your real thoughts and feelings. Um, it's been heavy, but like a good heavy. Like I want to, I want to clarify. It's not like a bad heavy. Like it's, it is just, it's a topic that needs to be talked about and we need to address it. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is don't do anything, nothing. This is a vacation, you know, stay at home. Don't go out. If you don't need to wear your mask, uh, which not only protects you, but protects other people, wash your hands, all of those things. Guys, why do you feel like this is so hard for some people? I mean, I know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I am, that's me also, the guy about 40 minutes ago saying I need to see my family, but I haven't had any issues, you know, and, and I, and I want to try and understand, uh, why do you guys feel like some people aren't getting that? Some people, I think it's definitely a, some people, for some people, it's an emotional thing for some people. It's a selfish thing where they just don't care because they don't believe in the virus. They don't think it's real and they're going to do whatever they want. I think it's, it's different for, it's different for everyone. I wish, I wish it was a thing where everyone's doing their part, but that's just not what it is. And I think we just have to continue to like share our stories. Yeah. Karen, what are your thoughts about that? Because I feel like it's this mix of like, I, 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 even after just saying like, stay at home, I'm acknowledging everybody's dealing with a new pandemic right now, a new, everybody's dealing with the pandemic as it is to them. But can't we all just listen to what's going on and acknowledge that if we, if any of us want things to change, we have to stay home. We have to stop let it, you know, looking at New Zealand, New Zealand had a hundred days of no cases as a country before ultimately they caught one on thing. It was like the 102nd day, which was sad to see, but we're looking at other people doing it right. What about America is not clicking that same way? I want to answer from the positive, share your coping strategies with each other, be creative with each other. This is hard for everybody. And like, but just being, being like, well, I don't feel like it. Like, that's not, no, that is not okay, right? Mm -hmm. Call, ask somebody like, how or what is helping you get through? Let's share our ideas with each other because people are being amazingly creative and it is hard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I want to clarify this with this second tip that I have about what to do right now. It's not about not leaving ever. It is not about staying locked in. Go, if you, we all have to go to the grocery store at some point. We all have to shop for things. If you feel like you need to go out and see somebody, this is my tip number two, hang out outside and hang out at a distance. Mackenzie, like I've mentioned, has come to my house many times. She's even come around the gate to the backyard and will sit on the grass at least six feet apart. I swear we do like 25 feet even when we just say it's six because we're like the Uber, <laughs> we're Ubers careful. I have a New York Times article right here uh, about school outside. Uh, they said that they did a study of 7,000 coronavirus cases, and only one of those transmissions happened outdoors. So if you do need to go out, or if you do need to get some air, I, I totally understand. Do it from a distance. Do it from, you know, and in, 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 do it outside. Do it in a space where you don't feel like you're necessary, you know, or do, or do what Karen said. Hug a tree. Go out, you know, enjoy nature. Go on a walk, go on a hike, a socially distanced hike or, or, or uh, you know, drive to the coast and sit if you live if you live near the oceans, like doing those things feel um, make life feel a little bit more normal. And that to me is, is what to, is the biggest 
piece uh, of it for me is like do doing things that make life feel a little bit more normal. If you feel safer and calmer socially visiting with people on Zoom and you'd rather be outside by yourself, do that. If you are somebody who finds that you're calmer social distance visiting with people outside, then do that. Um, not I don't like doing being outside, like doing social distancing walks, because every time somebody drifts a little closer, it stresses me out. So yeah. I will I will hang out with you. I'll have cocktail hour on Zoom, but I'm going to walk at the beach by myself. And that's smart. It's healthy. Uh, I want to turn I want to turn the, the page a little bit into the next the next tip, which has nothing to do with staying home or what you do for yourself. Um, this one's actually for other people. Uh, reaching out to other people who are hurting. It's been a big thing for me to acknowledge that as stressful as my life is and, and how my life has been the last six months, I have to acknowledge that everybody else is dealing with it in the same way that I'm dealing with it, but with their own stresses and their own unique struggles and their own unique cast of characters and their own unique scenery. Uh, I think it's so important. And Mackenzie, you've done such a great job. Um, what are your thoughts on, especially as somebody who who has dealt with a lot this pandemic, how important to you, do you think it is to to reach out to people that you know are hurting and having people reach out to you when you're hurting? Oh, it's it's very important. I've That's actually been something that's helped me in a way. Um, <clears throat> I'm just someone who naturally feels better when I'm helping someone. And I think I stated that earlier, but I know how difficult it's been for me. I know the, some of those bad days are horrible and then the good ones are great and trying to balance those can be so, you can feel so alone and I know how that feels and it hurts. So I'm like, I don't want anyone else feel like feeling that way, but I know people are. So regardless of how shitty of a day I'm having, I still make it a point to reach out to the people that I know are struggling, even people that I don't know if they're struggling. I'm just like, Hey, like, I hope you're doing okay. Is there anything I can do for you? If you need to call me and we just need to chat about what's going on in the world or other things to get your mind off of it, let's do it. And I also like try to tell people cause everyone struggles with it differently. Like I've told myself, like I'm alone. This is hard but it's also important to like spend time with yourself. It's so important to be alone with yourself and truly feel the emotions and learn who you are and learn how you can handle things alone, even though it's hard. Doing that has motivated me more to reach out to people. And I know I've come to you crying and upset and struggling with the fact of being away from my family, but through it, all of this and how hard it's been, I've grown so much since March within myself, even though I'm still a mess sometimes, but I can recognize any negative things or positive things about myself and trying to, trying to share me with other people and make sure they're okay and give them ways that have helped me. So mm. it's, it's so important to reach out to people and it, having people reach out to you goes a long way. Even someone just saying, Hey, how you doing? Hi, that could set, my crappy day to like something so great when you're feeling alone. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. I have one last thing on my list um, before I ask you guys, if you have anything for uh, any advice for other things that people can do during this pandemic. Uh, but my last one's pretty big vote. We are in an election year right now. And this election to me uh, and I think to a lot of people is imperative depending on the outcome. You know, we need 
we need to choose the right person this time around. We always need to. Every election, we need to choose the right person. This time, it is. It could be the livelihood of our of our freedoms. It could be the livelihood of our country as we know it. Uh, especially with this pandemic, you know, I think you need to take in um, every little ounce of the last four years and acknowledge where we could have done better, where we are doing fine, where we are doing well even at, and acknowledge who we think. Uh, and, and, you know, I would never, I'm never going to force the listener or the people who are here with me um, to choose, you know, to vote for the person that I'm voting for. But I do think it is very important that we educate ourselves a lot about what happened with this pandemic, what's happened with this civil rights movement that's going on right now and the ways that uh, each of these candidates have reacted in the wake of those things. Um, I'm trying to stay as neutral as I can because <laughs> there are some thoughts and feelings that I feel that I keep to myself. Uh, Karen, as somebody who's also got a lot of thoughts and feelings that we're going to try to keep to ourselves, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I totally agree with you. Take action. Um, and take action in in the service of what you care about, right? Like we people have fought, put their lives on the line for the right to vote. Is the system perfect? No. Is it broken? Absolutely. This is what we have right now. I have friends who have already volunteered to be um, observers and uh, at the polling places so that they can make sure that what is supposed to happen at the polling places is going to happen on election day. And it's not only about voting for the highest office in the country, but it's local voting also. Like you it's see everything. how different governors and different mayors have responded, different Congress people have responded to this pandemic. So, so often we feel like the system is broken, which it definitely is broken. And at the same time, like, let's do everything we can, everything we can, including voting, to get ourselves moving in the direction that is about taking care of everybody. I love that. I guess the last thing I would say is uh, similar to something Mackenzie said earlier, actually, about grief and self-care, which is having something that you do every day that is about being an activist, Right. Whether it's recycling a bottle or um, helping somebody who's never voted before register to vote or volunteering somewhere or making food for somebody or like every little thing actually does make a difference. I love that. I love that. I think that's actually a great way to close the show out. Um, thank you so much, both of you. Again, I, I said it before, but I want to say it again. Thank you for uh being vulnerable and being open and telling your story. I think a lot of people are so used to their own stories right now that uh, it's important for us to, to educate ourselves on other people's stories, on other people's experiences with this pandemic. So thank you both. And it is my favorite time of the show. Time for some not so shameless promo. Um, Karen, you're a pro at this not so shameless promo. So I want you to plug, um, whatever you want, whether it be your social media, I want you to plug what you're doing in work. If you're looking for some work, I know if, hey, if you're a movie, if you're working in pre or post or just regular production on a movie, 
I know my girl Mackenzie is always is always looking for some more money. Um, so Karen, why don't you show Mackenzie how a little bit of not so shameless promo works? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ke replenish, or just go to my website karenerlichman.com. You get it, bud. You get yeah. it. You got one for us. Okay. Y'all <laughs> can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mackenzie Mosley. Um, come follow me. I try to spread joy and light through all that. And yes, if you are looking for anyone in production or post, hit your girl up. She's funny as hell. She's funny as hell. She's really, if you like, if you like my jokes and my humor, you'll, you'll really love Mackenzie. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You know, you can always find me at Alex Iono everywhere. It's the best part about having a last name that is not normal. A-I-O-N-O. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We're we're well into this podcast, and uh, and it's getting more and more fun. And I'm loving seeing your responses on what other topics you want me to talk about uh, on this podcast. So please continue doing that. Uh, if you have the time, please rate our podcast and subscribe. That is how we grow. Uh, and and thank you so much for just for just continuing to listen and and trying to make the world a better place. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. We really want you to get the help you need. So if you need help, please seek independent advice from a competent healthcare or mental health professional. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, counseling, or therapy. Listening to the podcast does not establish doctor-patient relationship with hosts or guests of Alex Iono, Let's Get Into It, or iHeartMedia. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Woof, that's a doozy. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.